The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we have a special April 1st edition of The of the Secrets of Doctor Who, in which we're going to discuss The Curse of the Fatal Death. No, sorry. The Curse of Fatal Death. <laughs> I'm Tom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Cory Stika. Hi, Father Cory. How's it going, Dom? Very good. Uh, folks, I want to tell you first, we have merch. You can get your very own Secrets of Doctor Who t-shirt, phone case, mug, and more at sqpn.com slash merch, M-E-R-C-H. Go check it out. Tell us what you think of the design. And uh, I want to tell you about another show on the network you're sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Star Trek, which you can find at sqpn.com slash trek. So, uh, yes, we are. This is a very special extra episode, bonus episode we're sending you because it's April 1st. And we said, why not do a special discussion of the curse of fatal death? And now you may not. Which doctor is that? Well, it's sort of the ninth, 10th, 11th and 12th doctor, but not really. (laughs) Uh, And 13th. I think, yeah, I was going to say, I I was trying to count that up quickly in my head. It is. This was a special 20 minute uh, long episode from uh, the comic relief charity uh, uh, that they do every year in the UK uh, in 1999 for something called Red Nose Day and it's uh, so that's all the lots of comedic actors and comedians and people who work in the industry get together and they create these very fun special uh, stories of various kinds that they use to raise money yeah originally this was two uh 10 like two 10 10 minute parts yeah but they mm-hmm. fused it together into one on youtube right and uh it was written by stephen moffat which makes it his very first televised doctor who script which is kind of cool and uh-huh. it's also very timey-wimey which <laughs> you would expect from stephen moffat yeah he, had, is, he had a lot is. of fun with the time travel stuff in this yeah. mm-hmm. so let's start by getting a a, <laughs> a recap of what goes on the craziness so jimmy can you give us a recap the Doctor summons the Master to a castle on the planet Tursurus to tell him important news. The news is that the Doctor thinks he's saved the universe enough and plans to retire and marry his companion, Emma. Comedy time travel hijinks ensue as the Master and the Doctor have repeatedly used their TARDISes to bribe the architect of the castle where they're meeting, either having him create traps or create ways to get out of them. The Master repeatedly falls into a sewer system that takes him 312 years to crawl out of, only to use his TARDIS to reappear moments later. He also brings the Daleks with him, because the Daleks have no noses, and they're the only enemies of the Doctor willing to be around him after centuries in a sewer. The Doctor and Emma are captured by the Daleks, and the Master reveals that he's given the Daleks a Zektronic energy beam that will allow them to conquer the universe in a matter of minutes. After the Doctor warns the Master that the Daleks are planning to kill him, the Daleks initiate a firefight, and Rowan Atkinson's Ninth Doctor is fatally dead. 
The master also reveals that the Zektronic energy device has been damaged and soon will both explode and implode, killing them all. Fortunately, the doctor has the knowledge to save them, but a series of accidents result in him quickly running through his 10th, 11th, and 12th incarnations, each played by different actors. Ultimately, the doctor is able to repair the energy device, saving them all, but he gets hit by a beam of electronic energy that should end his ability to regenerate, and he dies. Humbled by this sacrifice, the Master and the, the Daleks decide to become good. And just as it looks like the, dollar, the Doctor's life is finally ended, a miraculous regeneration occurs, and the 13th Doctor turns out to be a blonde woman played by Joanna Lumley. Emma firmly tells the new doctor that the wedding is off now that she's a woman, but the new doctor finds the master rather more attractive than she did before, and the two stroll off arm in arm. The <laughs> end. <laughs> so, yes, and we'll get into the, the some of the funny bits, uh, as uh, the funnier even bits. That, that I, I tried to leave that for you guys, so I didn't try to spoil <laughs> yeah. all the funny stuff in, this, in the intro. Yes, there's lots more. Uh, and I should point out, we'll have a link. You'll we'll be you'll be able to watch this whole thing on YouTube. That the the uh, official Doctor Who YouTube channel has the whole thing, so that's really good. So, uh, a little bit of time travel prophecy. The first time the Doctor was a woman was the Thirteenth Doctor. <laughs> so, yeah, and she was a a blonde ditzy woman too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. So. The doctor runs through all all of these different incarnations. I just want to mention the actors uh, up front who that that play the different incarnations. Oh, yeah. So it's Rowan Atkinson, who you know as the fantastic Mister Bean. Rowan Atkinson is just always funny. Uh, Richard E. Grant and and as Black Adder and Black, Black Adder. yes yes definitely and Richard E. Grant, who will later show up and we've recently talked about as the Great Intelligence and the Shalka Doctor. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. The, which we'll talk about yet. that another time. But that's a web. That was a web series that the BBC did during between uh, uh, bet- dur- in the during, during the 2000s. Yeah. It, yeah, it was the plan to continue with the uh, with the animated uh, series with Richard Grant until uh, the Russell T Davies TV revival came yep. along. Oh, okay. Uh, then uh, briefly, Jim Broadbent, who's a, a funny comedic actor, and Hugh Grant. Uh, until yeah. we get Joanna Lumley. So uh, we'll talk about each of them as we go along. Uh, and then Jonathan Price plays the master. And Jonathan Price is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's American, really good as the master. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, American audiences will recognize him, not least because of the, uh, what was the those great, what was it, Lexus ads or something that he, would, he used to do? He, he like did that. these some TV car commercials. Ad, yeah. yeah, some car ads. But he's a, he's a great actor. He looks perfect as the master. He looks like several of the masters that we've had before. Um, so kind of, that, kind of a combination really of of Anthony Ainley and uh, um, Robert Delgado. Yes, yeah, there is a, a striking resemblance, and he chews the scenery just perfectly. He's so great. Uh, in fact, he's the first character we meet in this because the opening scene is on his TARDIS. Yes, mm-hmm. which is a fan set that some fans had made for their fan video, okay. but they've they've it's it's the Doctor's TARDIS, but they've colored it green with lighting, mm-hmm. so it fits the Master, and he's cackling about his evil he's watching the doctor on the monitor and the doctor's back is turned to him and he's cackling about how he's going to have his revenge on the doctor and he's talking about his plans and 
And then he hears the doctor's voice saying, you know, um, you, if you're going to talk about your plans, you you should shut off the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and and he, he he's enraged and he switches off the screen and continues to rant about his coming plans for the doctor. And the doctor says, well, now you've turned the camera off, but not the speaker. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering where the set came from, because the, the back of the set, the main part of the set looked like the seventh doctor's TARDIS, you know, fifth through seventh doctor's TARDIS. But the console was the first doctor console, yeah. which mm-hmm. we know hadn't, hadn't been recreated yet by the BBC. So I was wondering where it came from. It was interesting. That was a fan, fan set. Yes. That's cool. I think Star Trek has done that once before mm-hmm. with the fan uh, set of the Inter- original Enterprise Bridge. Yep. So. Yeah, that's that's fun. So, uh, yeah, the doctor says, um, well, if you really want to uh, to to get me, you have to come to the planet Terceris, uh, as you mentioned. And so he tells Emma as they arrive, like the the, the Terserons are 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 an extinct race. He says the uh, the Terserons were a kindly, peace loving race, but shunned and abhorred by the universe due to their communicating solely through precise modulated gastric emissions, and Latulence. they destroyed. Yeah, flatulence. They destroyed themselves after discovering fire. <laughs> I'm sorry, the 12 year old boy in me finds yeah. it hilarious. <laughs> it is. Uh, I'm not at all a fan of fart jokes, but they dis- they destroyed themselves after discovering fire is is one of the funniest I've ever heard. <laughs> and also, fortunately, they never use the soundtrack to no. convey yes. the sound of this. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Planet of the bottom burps, as Emma calls it. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, so the master arrives, and we have like this this timey wimey thing where he he says, "Oh, because you told me you were coming here at this time, I travel back in time and bribe the ar- that architect is probably very wealthy by the end of his life and well fed uh, too. Well fed, yes, due to the, all of the bribes from the doctor and the master. Uh, and so we have a series of you know traps that the the master has set, and then ways the the doctors got out of it. And so it was well, the first one was the um, Spikes. Uh, the spikes of doom, which the doctor replaced with the sofa of reasonable comfort. <laughs> which this has got to be a Monty Python callback because there's the uh, uh, Spanish Inquisition. The, com- the comfy one. chair. Yeah, put her yep, in yes. the comfy chair. <laughs> and uh, there's a couple of, the, of those things there. So that, I thought that was good. And then the doctor kind of, when he goes into talking about um, wanting to retire, he saved the universe, every plant in the universe at least 27 times. Uh, and he wants to retire and settle down. He's grown weary of various things, including those endless gravel quarries. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many great callbacks to a lot of the tropes and things of the classic Who. Every time you saw a rocky plant in classic Who, it was a gravel quarry somewhere in in Britain. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. He 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 also describes um, his new companion emma that he's going to marry as more exciting than escaping up an elevator shaft <laughs> yes <laughs> or a ventilator shaft a ventil- I'm sorry. yeah ventilation shaft. yeah that was that was really good they also in in running through castle terceris to escape the master and the daleks it's very obvious they've just run through the same set of corridors the same set yeah. three yes. times yep and Emma hangs a lantern on it and says, these corridors all look the same. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's, that's because on the TV show, they have a limited budget and they only have enough for one set to build yep. one set of corridors. So people have to run through the same thing multiple times. Just different angles. Yeah, you, 
and they do that on other shows like Stargate and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there's like one set for the go old Hatak motherships and, yep. and, and they run through those corridors oh. multiple times in the, in the same sequence. Well, Star Trek would do that too. They would build like one set of corridors for their ship, their, you know, the enterprise or Voyager, and then just film it from different angles to make yes. it look mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Maybe even light it just a tiny bit different, but yep. yeah, yeah. Clever. So, uh, yeah, you mentioned the uh, master keeps falling in the sewers, and every time he comes out 300 years later, he looks 300 years older. And so he's at one point, he's got a walker and a long beard, and he's like, hey, wait up for me, he says to the Daleks that are chasing the doctor. Um, He gets bumped into the, well, at one point, he rushes the doctor to strangle him, and the doctor steps aside, and he falls into the the pit. Well, first, he, you know, he he set up, the trap for the doctor, right where the doctor's standing was where the trap door was supposed to be. Oh, but then the doctor right, bribed the architect so that it was right where the master was. And then the second time was bumped in, or he rushed the doctor. And the third time he was bumped in. And it's funny because they keep telling each other, I went back and told that, like, before actually, you know, uh, triggering the trap, they tell the other one what they've done so that the other one now knows and in the future can go back and bribe the architect to change it. Right. Like, which is kind of funny. So, um, although that creates a series of time paradoxes, because at least the doctor would have at least had to have fallen in once in order to know about the trap. But well, unless he was having dinner with the architect and said, "So, what else have you been asked to do?" Oh, yeah. that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, so not not necessarily a paradox. So, uh, one of the paradoxical things about this is that it plays with canonicity, mm-hmm. um, because this is clearly a non-canonical tale, but. That hasn't stopped a lot of the themes in it from later being explored in New Who. Now, this came out in 1999, which was six years before New Who. But lots of the themes from this Mm -hmm. have come up in New Who and not played for comedy necessarily. But um, Stephen Moffat was really anticipating the direction Doctor Who would go. And And some of the things may be deliberate callbacks to this. Like the the family Slitheen wear the gas exchange suits that cause them mm-hmm. to make farty noises, That's true. and yeah. they they're not using that to communicate like the Tursurans did, but it is possibly something that was a nod to this. My favorite though has to be in a uh, in a in a big finish Missy adventure that unambiguously has a deliberate callback to this. Now, Planet Tursurus is in the established Doctor Who universe. In fact, in Tom Baker's time, uh, the final incarnation, the final degenerated incarnation of Roger Delgado's master was found on planet Tursurus. And so th- we've, we, we ha- I don't think we've ever seen Tursurus, but it has been mentioned in mm-hmm. the main canonical universe. But in uh, there's an episode of Missy, I, I believe it's in Missy Volume 2. It's a, an episode called The Bechdel Test, um, where Missy refers to this. So it, for listeners who may not be aware, The Bechdel Test is a test. It was proposed by a woman named Bechdel. I don't remember her first name. But basically, a movie or TV show, it's a test for how much agency women have in a story. And the the film or episode passes the best delta the Bechdel test if it has a scene between two women and they talk about something other than a man. 
Okay. And so it's it's trying to it's like, okay, in this women have at least some minimal agency if they can talk to each other about something other than a man. Mm. And um and so this episode of Missy, the Bechdel test, has two women, Missy and River Song. Mm. Okay. And and the and they're both imprisoned. And the question is, can they are are they going to talk about anything other than the doctor, <laughs> <laughs> who they both have passionate relations con- feelings concerning of one yeah. sort or another? Yes. And and oh, it's so funny. And Missy gets some River gets some great lines at first, pretending to not recognize who Missy is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you and then she seems to realize and it's, oh, you, you, you must be. And she keeps naming every time Lord other than the master. (laughs) So it's like, you're Susan or you're the meddling monk or, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, she knows it's the master all along. But then later, as they're talking about how to escape, one of their options is to crawl through some sewers. And Missy says, oh, no, I had quite enough of that back on Tercerus. Mm. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so the the master, by the way, in allying himself with the uh, the Daleks, has had some augmentations. First, he had the uh, a hand replaced with the plunger tool, at which mm. Emma says, well, what's that good for? And he kind of looks at it and goes, and, he, and you, get, you realize he has no idea what it's for. It's like <laughs> fans have always wondered, what what is the plunger good for? Uh, and then the, later on, he gets... Um, he gets his hand back. He yep. gets his hand back. Uh, he also gets Dalek bumps, which they play up for uh, breast augmentation surgery, and they kind of mock him for that. Um, Although he insists they are etheric beam locators that <laughs> will allow him to locate etheric beams as uh, at like 20 light years or something. Yeah. Right. And just like I'm not a fan of fart jokes, I'm not a fan of boob jokes. Yeah. But uh, when Joanna Lumley regenerates as the 13th Doctor, she looks down and says, I've got etheric beam locators. (laughs) 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 That was pretty good. Uh, uh, So they've been captured by the Daleks, taken to their ship, and they've been tied up. And Emma observes that despite the Daleks constantly saying exterminate, they tend to capture the Doctor instead of just killing him like they promised to do. Which is another fun observation. Well, of- then, then then they have the trope of she asks a question, and the doctor says, "I'll tell you later." Which, of course, you know that that's always the companions can be told later, and the doctor never does. Yes, or at least not on screen. Yes, yeah. Uh, and they use that repeatedly. And and yeah. the the kind of capping example of that is as Richard Grant's twelfth Doctor has been uh, fatally deaded by the. Uh, Zectronic energy beam with no hope of regeneration. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emma asks him a question, and he says, "I'll explain." <laughs> yes, <laughs> and then okay. he, he ostensibly permanently dies. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so before that, at one point, the, they, the Emma and the Ninth Doctor, you know, apparently, uh, they learn that the Daleks plan to betray the Master, and so they need to communicate this to the Master. But they can't do it out loud. And because the Daleks, the reason the Daleks are allied with the Master right now is because they have no noses. The do- the Doctor communicates this to the Master in Terserin, which is- Be- Because he and the Master have both had dinner with the Architect and thus know how to, and bribed him and know how to speak Terserin. Yes, fluently. So <laughs> you have a funny 
somewhat exchange of uh, the doc uh, of the master that's of sniffing. That's an unfortunate choice of words. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, the, but the, 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 you have the master sniffing the air and uh, translating out loud, and then uh, a few funny things uh, ensue in there. Uh, well, the, and, and and fortunately, we never hear any of the farting, no. so yes. it's too subtle for that, which is good. That yeah. helps this work a lot better. Yes. But uh, like at one moment, the uh, towards the end of the uh, the doctor misspells a couple of words. Like right. You fa- you face imminent dupe. <laughs> yes. Imin- imminent dupe <laughs> instead of doom. Yeah. Yeah. And then later it just degenerates into a string of nonsense. And Emma says, "Sorry, that was me." <laughs> right. Right. Well, I think it's funnier without the noises. I think it. it oh, it, much. Yeah, it makes it funnier because you see the uh, master kind of sniffing and going, "Wait, you're saying." <laughs> You're saying that, you know, right, right. Uh, so uh, after, so the the uh, the doctor has to fix the Zartron or not not Zach Zachtronic Zachtronic beam emitter, uh, because it's go- it's going to implode and explode at the same time. And so while he's fixing it, he gets hurt and uh, turns into uh, you know regenerates into Richard E. Grant, uh, which Emma does not object to. Right. She, he, he, he explains, and this is her first encounter with the concept of regeneration, apparently. And yeah. he explains, it's still me in here, but can you love me in my new body? And Richard Grant, I guess, is considered, or at this point in his career, was considered really handsome. In fact, yeah. one of the first things he does is talk about how he is lick the mirror handsome, and <laughs> yeah. he then licks a mirror. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> and... He says to Emma, can you still love me in my new body? And she says, I don't think I'll have too much trouble with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But then he gets zapped again, like, right, quite quickly, and becomes a very shy Jim Broadbent who can't, who can't even look at a woman. Like, oh, my, I can't look at a woman. And, that, and even and when was kind the of master... His, yeah. And that was kind of his thing. That was Jim Broadbent's thing was kind of the, you know, mm-hmm. the shy, kick the dirt, you know, I can't look you in the eye kind of personality. <laughs> so that was kind uh-huh. of his comedy routine. Okay, okay. Uh, even when the uh, the master shows up with his uh, Dalek bumps, he's like, oh, I can't even look at you. <laughs> so that was, yeah. Can't look at a girl. He yeah, doesn't look, look up to see the face to see he's got a goatee. Yeah, right, right. Uh, but then he's quickly uh, blasted and becomes Hugh Grant, which, again, uh, Emma is not <laughs> opposed to. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out that these these two regenerations, as he's trying to fix the um, the the energy device to keep it from exploding and imploding, are caused by the fact he didn't unplug it first, so he got <laughs> shocked to death twice. Right, right. Yeah, and it's great that they got all of these actors to come in and do like this. This, this Doctor Who farce. I mean, it's really fun to have these well-known actors coming in and and taking part in this. It's it's really it, it makes it even better because they're so well known. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, and then the, the Hugh Grant Doctor eventually he gets uh, blasted dies before being able to reveal how to go on the universe can go on without him uh then we get to joanna lumley and so he runs through uh, what's that one two three four like three regenerations in like the space of four of them in the space of like three minutes (laughs) it's like and they even call that out it's like i've wasted you know three bodies and in a minute under a minute yeah it's a lot of artron energy uh so and after you know and you mentioned how the master had vowed to renounce evil in his honor and so had the daleks um and then we end with the the master and the doctor uh, going off arm in arm together after after joanna lumley has after she's been told that the wedding is off she's mm-hmm. like 
talking to him, it's like, oh, well, that won't stop us from exploring the universe and having adventures and stuff. Yeah. Yes. So so we've got a, a, a course there for imagined for an imaginary future to this. That's true. Um, and then she notices how much more attractive she finds the master than she used to. And he's good now. So that's not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> right. And and she says, why do they call you the master? And that's uh, and he just kind of suggestively looks at her and then starts laughing and that's yep. our as they go strolling <laughs> off and that's our exit right right yeah we could suggesting uh, because of his prowess in the bedroom yes yeah. yes yes so uh and that's yeah that's where it ends uh, so uh, a very quick 20 minutes but uh, uh kind of fun so uh any any last notes on this before we uh wrap up so the 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 voice of the Daleks was by Roy Skelton, who had been one of the voices of the Daleks, going all the way back to Evil the Daleks, and this is the last time he voiced them. So going all the way back to the first two Doctor or second Doctor episode, he's been mm. one of the voices of the Daleks. But he's been many, 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 many other voices throughout Classic Who. Uh, so because the voice sounds familiar, it's like, no, I know that's not Nicholas Nicholas Briggs, the one Nicholas who does Briggs. it now. Yeah. It, but it's it's very familiar. And of course, like I said, it, it's somebody who's been doing it for. Most of the time, run of the Daleks through Classic Who. Um, now, if Emma, of course, Joanna Lumley's familiar, not just as a Bond girl, because she was, she was in Bond way back when, mm -hmm. but she was also in Absolutely Fabulous with Julia Swalla, right. who was Emma. So the two of them oh, okay. had worked together before this. Oh, I've seen, I've seen a few episodes. I, it was never my thing. Emma, Emma was kind of the nerdy. Was she, she wasn't Safi, was she? The girl. Uh, she, yeah. I mean, cause so you had, the two kind of debauched adult yep. female characters, one of whom was Joanna Lumley. Yep. And then the other one who wasn't Joanna Lumley had a daughter. She was who, daughter. even though she had been raised by a hippie mother, was a totally straight daughter. Yeah. It was kind of like, what was it? The American sitcom, was it Growing Pains or something where Michael J. Fox was like the conservative kid <sighs> of yeah. hip, hippie yeah. parents. Yep. yep. And, and that's sort of what, um, Absolutely. The daughter was in this. The daughter was was named Saffron, but yeah. she didn't like such a hippie name, so she called herself Safi. Yeah, that was Julia Swahala. Oh, I didn't recognize her. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, that shows you how little I've seen of Absolutely Fabulous. <laughs> well, she was young, younger, but also would have like kind of you know nerdy Buddy Holly type glasses. Mm -hmm. So right. yeah, and she was played as a nerdy straight character. Yep. All, and although because she had a hippie mother, who she totally did not approve of her mother her mother's lifestyle. Yep. Um, she did have certain knowledge. I remember one of one of Sa uh, seeing part of an episode where one of Safi's college friends was trying to make a joint mm. and and she and was having trouble and Safi even though she doesn't use dope is like, "Oh for heaven's sake, your paper's too light and your your roach is too tight." Yeah. <laughs> your your paper's too loose and your roach is too tight. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've only seen a few episodes of that as well, and it, it, I, I enjoyed it. I just never sat down and actually watched it. But um, and of course, you know, as Jimmy mentioned, we do have elements that we do see later in in uh, New Who. You know, we complain about Doctor's my boyfriend. Well, here we've got Doctor's my fiance, and yeah. Rose was and he, not he married. He marries River Song. Yeah, yeah right. And, and uh, Rose is not the second companion to be kissed. Emma was. <laughs> That's so. right. There's a kiss. So well, what? Now, you said Joanna Lumley was a Bond girl. Do you, do you remember what Bond movie she, she was in? I don't remember what movie. She she wasn't like the the, you know, the the one that Bond went after. She was like a... 
She just was one of the female. One of the, one of the females of of the uh, of the the in the movie bad guys. Yeah. You know. I, oh, in the very first one, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Okay, I just found it. So, wow. Yep. All right, uh, Jimmy. Any final notes? Um. So this is not the only time they've done Doctor Who themed comedy um benefit specials. Uh, another one which is by Stephen Moffat is, is uh, Time Crash. Mm-hmm. Yep. which is also very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's one that is vastly, vastly, vastly less fondly remembered, <laughs> even though it mm. starred many, many more people who were from the actual show. I mean, it had multiple actual doctors in it, and it's called Dimensions in Time. Oh, and oh, yeah. it, is, it, is a, it is a comedy benefit crossover special with the British soap opera EastEnders. Mm. And wow, is it terrible. I didn't um, get very far it, in that when I watched it. <laughs> oh, it's, it's even got it's, got, it's got John Pertwee. It's got, I mean, as the characters, it has the third doctor. It's got the fifth doctor. It's got the sixth and the seventh doctor. It's got the Ronnie. It's got Sarah Jane Smith. Mm-hmm. It's got other companions. And... Oh, it's just terrible. Yep. And, and and it's clear, I mean, Stephen Moffat, when he wants to, is a good writer, and he really knows the show. Mm-hmm. And he's able to use knowing the show to make it work in, comedically in a way that someone who's not as much of a fan of the show or not as talented a, a writer is not able to. Because it, if you watch Dimensions in Time and watch either of the Stephen Moffat penned ones, it's just night and day different how much better they are. Oh, yeah. So we I know we talked about Time Crash at some point, but I don't mm-hmm. rem- I don't remember. Didn't, we didn't do it in a separate episode. No, because it's like five minutes long. Yeah, you know, I think we did it as part of I can't remember if it was part of the uh, the spaceship Titanic one or the episode that followed it. Right, right, right. Because it was immediately around one of those. That's right. We did it as yeah as part of that. So yeah, if you want to go check those out, uh, the Voyage of the Damned was Voyage the one the that that was the special that Time Voyage Crash led into. Yep. Right, right. All right. I think that should do it for this uh, quick. We thought, I thought it would be quicker, but it was it's apparently funny enough to keep talking about it. Uh, so we want to uh, thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who and. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So we'd love to get your feedback. You can send that to uh, Who at sqpn.com. And uh, on see next Wednesday, when the, the next episode comes out, we'll be t- talking about the second Doctor story, The Web of Fear. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you. Happy April Fool's Day, and don't forget to listen to Mysterious World. <laughs> That's right. You definitely want to watch, listen to that today. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, it will be the deadly vengeance of deadly revenge. Mwahahaha. <laughs>